0: Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture.
1: Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A
0: Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute.
1: And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our
0: conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom. For his glory, here on the Quarter 3 Strands podcast.
1: Without further ado, let's get on with the show.
0: The two of us are, are really big on the liberal arts, right? And uh, convincing a parent that their child should go and get a degree in liberal arts is, is, uh, is sometimes a tough task. So so tell us why the humanities, why the liberal arts?
1: Yeah, uh, I love this question. Um, It's a dangerous question to ask me, Ron, because, you know, I may I may talk (laughs) for uh, about three hours. Um, Some of it, you know, hopefully decent, some of it perhaps not. Um, But uh, so I've I've got an argument, uh, uh, some reasons for why I think the liberal arts have to be at the center. Of any educational curriculum, I actually don't care what the 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 setting is, um, what the educational uh, setting or degree or whatever is, um, and and it, it basically just goes like this: the ultimate purpose of a human is to know God, to be in this intimate relationship with God and with each other. Um, uh, humans are uniquely made in the image of God. And so as such, reveal God in ways that nothing else in the entire universe does. And in deeper ways, in more complete ways than anything else in the entire universe. So take those two things together. Our ultimate purpose is to know God, to to be in this intimate relationship with him. Humans being made in his image reveal God. More than anything else in the created universe. Well, it just follows that then, uh, in order to accomplish my ultimate purpose, I really need to know humans. I need to study humans. I need to know what makes a human a human and not a non human, what distinguishes humans from everything else. And so I need to think about those things that are distinctly human because, in part, in part at least, because they reveal. God, and so thereby increase my knowledge of Him and increase my union with Him, my intimacy with Him. So, uh, given those two things, I think it follows then that the humanities, which are designed to study those things that are distinctly human, uh, are to be at the center of our curriculum. Uh, they're to be at the center. And look, You know, we all recognize this actually at an implicit level. All of the things that we sort of organize our lives around, or at least we say we pretend to organize our our lives around are the distinctly human things. Right. Our marriages, our families, um, you know, the arts, beauty, pursuits of truth um, and goodness. Right. These sorts of things that kind of that, that we aim our lives towards those are the distinctly yes. human things um you know so at least we we pretend right we people will say you know think of the uh how does it go you know um nobody on their deathbed says that they wish they worked more hours in the office or you know that they accumulated more stuff or made more money right instead what they're going to what what people regret is the uh, their failure to contribute to these relationships that they had, right, to grow their love of each other uh, or their love of God. So uh, we all see the centrality of this, but we we some, I, I, you know, we, we we maybe think that we don't need to be educated in it or something, you know. And one of the nice things, one of the cool things about what's happening in our culture right now is that it's revealing, I think, in incredible, in obvious, uh, in really felt ways, observable ways, the need, the desperate need that we have to know what a human is, um, you know, philosophical and theological anthropology is being revealed, I think, as, you know, one of the most important subjects, that, that humans, that Christians in particular need to wrap their head around. Um, and so, you know, again, the centrality of the humanities, those subjects that have these distinctly human features as their focus. And, and, you know, look, I would put Holy scripture, I'd put the Bible, the study of the Bible as part of the, the humanities, Right. Because the Bible ultimately tells me what I am, who I am, what my ultimate purpose is, how it's impossible for me to achieve the ultimate purpose without divine intervention and how God has intervened in order to restore me and you and others to our ultimate goal. Right. So I put the Bible at the center of a humanities curriculum um, and, and build that curriculum out of the, that biblical foundation. So the Bible is going to structure it all, but it's the most humanizing of all, you know, works ever in the history of the world. So that, that's one reason I think to, to believe that the humanities just have to form the center of any academic curriculum. And, and, you know, I tried to point out the fact that it forms the center of our lives anyway, right? People, people put, to, to speak perhaps a, a bit too bluntly here, but people put bullets in their head because they lack those things that are, that are distinctly human, those things that give meaning and purpose and significance to their lives, that they lack those things, that's, that's the primary reason why people, you know, are suffering from substance abuse, the, the uh, loneliness yep. epidemic, right, that people have been talking about now for eight, eight, ten years. Um, as you mentioned earlier, right, the unbelievable increase in suicide, suicidal ideation and in actual suicides. All of these things, right, can ultimately be traced back to um, a failure, to uh, somehow right a, a a failure to develop those distinctly human features, and again, I'm just going to return and say it: the 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 ultimate ones are loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbor as ourselves. And we have to be yeah. trained to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We we talk a lot at at um, Providence Academy about pursuing truth and virtue. And um, you know, having some some of the discussions with parents and others who have a concern that we're trying to, they they think when when we talk about pursuing virtue or some sort of moral excellence that it's a works some sort of works righteousness or something to that effect. And, mm. and though the reality mm. is, is we're pursuing these things because this is how God made us. We're imaging Him. And this excellence that we're pursuing is good and right, but the second part to that is we all fail in it. So every, so anytime you pursue virtue, um, it's also going to point us to the fact that we need a savior. We we need we sin we we fall short constantly, and we need we need God uh, to forgive us and to set us straight to give us um, His Spirit to to pursue virtue, not for, um, not for, you know, us patting ourselves on the back, but because in as, as a grateful response to what he has done for us, we want to be, Mm -hmm. we we want to be, you know, uh, we're his children and, and we, there should be some family resemblance,
1: (laughs) you know, uh, uh, the, the, I, I think that's exactly right the way that, the way that I'll sometimes try to articulate this is um, you know it, it's rooted yeah. in love right this is this really is rooted in love right um, If I love God with all of my being, then of course I'm going to want to honor him with everything that I have right I'm going to want to develop those gifts that he's given me because I love him. Not out of a desire fundamentally to earn his approval, but out of my love, my adoration for him, which, of course, we know that I love him because he first loved me. And, you know, the analogy that I'll use sometimes is is in a marriage. Right. Um, I want to um, here's the type of husband I want to be. I want to be the type of husband who does not cheat on his wife because he loves her. And I don't want to be the type of husband who doesn't cheat on his wife because he's required yes. not to. Right. So that's a big difference. Both types of husbands fail to cheat on their wives. Both type of husbands do not cheat on their wives. But one does it out of the, the proper orientation, a proper uh, you know orientation yes. of their heart. The other does it out of an improper orientation, I think, of his heart. So we we honor God and obey because yes. we adore Him, because we love Him, and of course we adore and love Him because He and, first and, loved and you're,
0: us. And you are not cheating on your wife because you love her means that you joyfully don't cheat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's yeah it's, yeah it's not an obligation. It's, it's not burdensome. It's not burdensome. It's a joy. Yeah. Whereas the other the other motivation, it might be a struggle and they're regretting, you know, oh, you know, it, 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 it's a difficult task. Um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge difference. So I want to make a connection here kind of from what you were saying too. And that is that you have you and your wife and other faculty have intentionally lived amongst the students. And, and there's something about the, the teacher, and the student, right? You know, the, the student is going to be like their teacher, you know? And, and I think mm. one of the, one of the unfortunate, um, you know, the, the university setting or the, the college setting used to be an, um, what's the, what's the word, an outworking of the church, you know, and you used to have colleges and you'd have the, the, the tutor there and you'd live in a house together and, it's a shared life as you're yeah. learning and uh modern day colleges and universities have become more of a, I don't know what the word is, corporate entity. I, I don't, I don't know it, but you go to class, you're, you're the time you meet with your instructor is when you're at class. Right. And then, and then you go and, you know, party in the dorm or something. Uh, so there, there's no expectation mm. that you're going to become like your, your teacher. Um, It's, it's a, it's a complete disconnect, which, you know, is shooting universities in the foot now, because guess what? We, we have the technology. We might as well look at our teacher on our computers at home and not go to not go to university. Mm. But, but in a, in a Christian atmosphere, we have where the, the goal is ultimately aimed towards the purposes that God has given us as human beings. And you have, the teachers, the masters with the students, um, even shared life. It's, it's an incredible model. And, and I'm hoping that that kind of model would spread. Um, I am getting excited about micro colleges popping up and I, I listened to a podcast mm-hmm. about, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Christian halls, where you got different institutions. You, you take online you could do online courses at all these different universities. So you can offer your hall can offer all these majors, but you have community in which uh, elders and, and churchmen are kind of guiding the students and they have this Christian community while they're learning together. It, and it, it's like, wow, that this is the wonderful thing is when the, <laughs> when God gives us opportunities, like, you know, things going down the tubes, Uh, it's, it's amazing what, uh, Christian minds can come up with as, uh, to get us on the right track. I think, I think uh, strongly that, uh, what you guys are doing at Providence Christian college is just a wonderful model. Um, and I, and I, so this might be a good transition is if you could just talk a little bit more about Providence Christian college, what, um, I know you in in our sharing, you've, you've talked a little bit, a lot about what you've done and what you and your wife have done. Um, but if you can get us more familiar with Providence Christian college, that would be a wonderful thing for our audience.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the, the types of college atmospheres that you were talking about, I think, uh, are fascinatingly right. Contemporary models of an ancient medieval, uh, system, um, and utilizing technology in order to, uh, to achieve it. So, uh, uh, that that's fascinating, right? There's a kind of um, return to the sources, yeah. so to speak, uh, but with with a uh, uh, contemporary um, yeah. tools. So that's that's super cool. Um, and Providence, I think, is is attempting to do that um, that that very thing, right? So you know, Providence is a reformed Christian liberal arts institution. Um we have, as our mission, you mentioned it earlier, a kind of three-pronged mission, right? And so it's where uh, our goal is to ground students uh, in biblical truth, to have them engage the liberal arts, and for all of our students to be, um, you know, deeply involved in their various communities, family, church, and the wider world for the glory of God and service to humanity. And you had referenced those, yeah. those earlier, right? So, you know, we want to measure a student's success. We have done well, a student has done well. Um, if those three uh, areas, those three me- metrics are satisfied to a sufficient degree. Um, you know, do, do the students have that deep biblical grounding? And, and let me tell you, um, I've never been at an institution where the a biblical framework, the Bible is applied um, or, or we attempt to apply it. Right. We're, we're going to mess it up. Um, we, you know, there, there's lots of room for discussion and debate on exactly how a biblical framework should be uh, applied to economics and psychology and history and philosophy and politics and and all of these other things. But those are exciting, wonderful, you know, life giving uh, uh, conversations to be involved in. And I've had multiple students transfer from other Christian colleges uh, tell me in their senior exit interviews. I interview every single senior that is uh, graduating from the institution Uh, I've had multiple seniors who've transferred from other Christian universities and have said, I've been going to Christian colleges my entire life, or Christian schools my entire life, Christian colleges, and I've never been in an environment where, you know, Christianity, the Bible, informs every single thing that's going on in the classroom. And, And look, we are not a Bible college. I'm not opposed to Bible colleges. We're not a Bible college, though. So. That means that our students are reading the same stuff uh, that they're going to read at UCLA or uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison or Harvard. They're going to read the same stuff, but they're also going to get a critique. And I don't mean critique by objections, just an evaluation of that stuff from a, a deeply uh, informed Christian perspective that's informed by the, the ecumenical creeds, that's informed by the great uh, catechisms and confessions of the Reformation, right? So, there, there, I, I teach a class in neuroscience and philosophy. We read a textbook that is, uh, uh, the, the, basically, it's the notes of the Harvard University Introduction to Neuroscience class. But we simultaneously engage that content from a biblical understanding of what it is to be a human. And and, and, uh, that's happening in every single one of the classes in ways that I've never experienced before in Christian higher education. And, you know, we are an incredibly small institution and our size can be a turn off for some people. But it can also, you know, I think if people, uh, you know, give it a, a second look, they can see something incredibly valuable about the size. And it's this. The thing that we're that, that you know, part of what makes us distinctly human is our capacity to have these relationships, these deeply cognitive and conative, right? These deeply cognitive, cerebral, reflective, rational relationships that engage our will and our emotions, right? Uh, Those types of relationships uh, are part of what makes us uh, separate from everything else in in the creation. And in an environment like this, um, you either will engage in those relationships, you either will, um, you know, be known And no others, or you will find this place incredibly uncomfortable. Right. (laughs) Right? Uh, um, And so, you know, that that's another uniqueness of Providence is our size, and I think it actually positions us to do some some things that other institutions are simply unable to do. And then, just to harken back to something we were talking about earlier, the fact that we have eleven faculty and staff members living with the students means that we're engaging our students outside the classroom in ways that I just don't think can possibly happen in other environments. We can integrate what's happening inside the classroom, what's happening at church. Uh, We can integrate what's happening on the athletic fields uh, in the uh, residential setting that we hope is a, a aiming towards a more integrated human life. Uh, and, and that's what we're really trying to do. Most colleges have, you know, roughly speaking, three areas in which there's almost no overlap, right? There the three totally, you know, completely separate and in, and in some cases in conflict areas of an institution. That's academics, athletics and student life. So academics is all, is regularly at most institutions working against student life and athletics, and then student life athletics are regularly working against each other and academics. And there's this constant battle and conflict. And at Providence, we are really attempting to to f- figure out how to integrate those three things in uh, a, a much deeper, more healthy beautiful way so that it shows up at the dinner table, right? So that it shows up in my, in my listening and viewing habits in my conversations. Um, I just did a podcast the other day where we talked about friendship and how our contemporary understanding of friendship, uh, is almost, uh, uh, completely different from an ancient and medieval understanding of friendship, such that there's actually good reason to believe that the majority or many people in the in the West, uh, perhaps in the U.S. in particular, actually have never experienced a friendship in the way that it's talked about, in the way that it's understood by the ancients and the medieval's. And, and by here, I mean the the ancient medieval Christians and and some of the, the their non-Christian uh, influencers. And so we're trying to cultivate that. We're we're trying to develop a community where friendship with God, friendship with one another, is the ultimate goal. And it it just it just saturates everything. And and you know we're not perfect, but Uh, that's the goal.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. I again i i've been uh, i've been able to be at campus I think twice now, and um, we plan on being out there this fall uh, again. um, And uh, uh, the things that I have. I've enjoyed is one is my daughter always talks about things that she's learning. Uh, but, but a lot of it is just centered around just their friendships, uh, eating together. I, 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 I enjoy the fact that you, um, this was a a concerning thing as a parent of (laughs) a student at Providence at Christian college. At first we were a little like, okay, they don't have a dorm and a cafeteria. Um, instead they're in apartments and they they have uh, meal plans where they can go to different restaurants or of course they can cook food in their house. And I have to me it's 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 helping them in that uh step of maturation, right? They're they're learning to, yeah. to keep a budget and to you know make food for themselves. But I think in that process of students all living in that same way. There's a, there's, it grows that camaraderie and, um, Mm. and I think also the, the fact that they are continually in the presence of Pasadena, you know, going to Chick-fil-A or going to, you know, where earth or whatever it was, it's called, um, that they, they have a greater engagement. I don't know how much of an engagement, but they, a greater, uh, openness or, or, The world sees them and they see and hear the world and that's been, and that's been a wonderful thing. I mean, how many times uh, I'm talking to my daughter about the person that she talked to while she was going to lunch or does that make sense? Those, those, those are conversations that don't necessarily happen when your student lives on campus somewhere else and their entire world is just around college students and they don't really step foot off of the college campus. And so there, there's a, just some tremendous things there. But that, that friendship, that learning together, not only in, in the academic subjects, but in in just living life, and then the the big, you know, the the big part that uh, the faculty, um, you guys, the uh, Jimenezes and others that are on campus, how much that means to my daughter and to her friends, it's just amazing. Uh, so it's.
1: Been, you know, we 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 bump into the students, uh, you know, constantly as we leave our home, uh, as we enter our home, we're constantly interacting with the students and engaging them. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. The, we live in this community where we I have students. My wife is one of the residential directors here. So uh, all throughout the day, we hear knocks on our door. And students popping in um, or students, um, you know, stopping by for maybe some more formal purposes. But my inclination, the type of person that I am, is one where um, I sort of want to kind of isolate myself a little more. Um, I want to sort of lock myself in a room and just read books and write or something. Um, And, you know, being interrupted by students or by, by pop right. As they used to say, I guess, on Seinfeld, um, uh, you know, sometimes can, can be frustrating and it's good yeah. for me. This is, this is actually healthy for me because, um, it reminds me constantly, right. That I'm a member of yeah. this community. Uh, I'm a contributor to to this community. The students are forming me in in really deep ways. And I got to put my my money where my mouth is, right, where I'm talking about these, you know, human relationships and our relationship with God as being the most important Aspects of our lives and, and learning how to develop and cultivate them. And I think my, my hope is again that the United States and the West is learning how unbelievably important this is and that we actually need training in it. Um so you know I'm saying all this stuff, but living in this community is really forcing me to do it, and it forces our students to do it. And then as, as you said a second ago, Ron, because we're located in Pasadena and Our students are required, basically, because of the way we've set up their apartments, their living situation and their eating situation. They're required to walk into the city um, fairly regularly in order to feed themselves uh, and whatnot. They're encountering persons in the community on a on a regular basis. And in many cases, they're encountering the exact same person on a regular basis. So they're forming relationships with people outside the Providence bubble, so to speak. And so there really is no bubble here. However, the wonderful thing, again, is that, you know, I think the the right way to think about this is, you know, we're, we're forming these students so that they are able to leave, you know, worship on Sunday, leave the confines of this community, and go out and engage the yes. world in a in a way that is is again healing right they are witnesses to the gospel and we're helping them deepen their understanding of the healing power of the gospel and 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 how how it heals everything right how it heals everything so our students can engage right we we've had students engage caltech yeah. students Uh, at Earth Cafe. These are, you know, in Caltech students, if you if you don't know, if your listeners don't know, right, Caltech is one of the top like three or four universities uh, in the world. So these are some of the, you know, unbelievable uh, minds that are that are out content. We've had Caltech, we've had our students engage Caltech students and those Caltech students want to return and continue having conversations with our students about what our students are learning and engaging in. And so it's happening slowly, and hopefully by the time they graduate from Providence, they're they're now in a much better position to enter the world in such a way that the world isn't disciplining, discipling them, but they are disciplining and discipling yeah. the world. Yeah, I,
0: I agree. I, some of the things that I've seen too is the, uh, uh, you know, not just my daughter, my daughter's friends at, at uh, Providence Christian. And um, they're, I, I guess the word is they've developed curiosity. So when they're engaging people, I hear them asking questions. And I, and I think that's, mm. um, it's a, it's a, in, in stark contrast to say a public university near me, um, there, there is a, uh, a, a, an openness that I've seen in your students, um, of engaging with people, not by trying to, you know, convince them that they're, you they're wrong or something, uh, but, but, uh, in of inquiry. So, you know, asking questions about things and, and I, and I just think it's a wonderful thing. And I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm fairly sure that that's not being taught in the classroom. I, it feels like that's a cultural thing within the student body. Uh, mm. and how that's being developed yeah. might be like, I, I did attend. Um, I think your wife hosts a um like uh there's like a patio right in the, one of the professors was there, uh, I think it was a psychology professor. Anyway, he kind of gave a little devotion and they're talking and, and I mean, that's kind of what I saw was an engagement, uh, students asking questions and digging further, um, rather than just simply expressing an opinion. And, uh, to me, that's a, you know, as a, um, someone working in K-12, you know, that, that is a, such a, um, an important thing. It's a skill and it, and it, and it has some sort of, there's a, there's a, a, a certain amount of courage and um, confidence to be able to engage by asking questions. That's uh, different mm. than, than like, here's my opinion because I'm right and I don't want to change, but an openness that's both relational and, and things. Anyway, it was just something that i noticed while i was on campus there um that that made me go oh this is
1: a good place you know man uh that's a great observation and you put it better uh, than i would put it right that difference between the person who he, he here here's a different way of of putting of putting what you're you're pointing out um and I hadn't thought of this before. Uh, there's a difference between someone who wants to discover and someone, you know, and who thinks about the world, who thinks about God, who thinks about other humans as opportunities to, to discover more and more, to grow more and more. Um, their, you know, again, their love, their relationships, these sorts of things. And someone who thinks, um, they are sort of the inventor, right? You can sort of see this in the garden, maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's a deep connection yeah. to what you're pointing out here, Ron, and, and the garden that, uh, God, when he creates Adam and Eve sets them on a discovery path, right? And so their job is to name the creation. And so part of the naming is grasping the nature of the thing. And, you know, we don't, uh, uh, I, I need to grasp the nature of the thing to to determine whether it should have a different name from something that right. I've previously named, or whether it should have the same name as something that I've previously named. So, you know, uh, I, I'm, Adam and Eve are given this, this task, and it's a kind of discovery task, right? They're to discover God's revelation of himself and all of the creation and thereby discover more and more about God and one another, and... The the serpent comes in and tempts Eve to not be the discoverer, but to be the inventor, to be the determiner. And so um, that's our culture right now. You know, the the expressive individualism that someone like Carl Truman talks about. uh, And, you know, he's he's piggybacking, of course, on a bunch of other thinkers. But that expressive individualism is: I'm not a discoverer of truths and goods and beauties that exist independently of me. I am the inventor of truths, goods, and beauties that exist not independently of me, but because of me. I determine them. And so, we want to cultivate in our students. This is your, your way of putting this is is really really yeah. helpful to me. Uh, we want our students to see themselves as discoverers of an objective reality that is. It, it's interesting yeah. just
0: to go on the Genesis narrative. Even after the fall, God comes and models a discoverer. Where are you? Right. Where are oh, you? Interesting. Uh, did you know, oh, I heard you coming. I was afraid, you know, oh, did you know, what did you do? <laughs> and now God knows and he, but he engages with that. That the the questioning he he engages them as a discoverer. I, I never even thought of that before. Yeah, and that's, then they're just he does that with Cain too,
1: right? That yeah, that's that's fascinating. The yeah you know, relationships, you know, um, I'm I'm uh, we are constantly going to be discovering more and more. Uh, for the rest of our lives, right? I mean, even after the resurrection of the dead, right? That's part of the reason why I think, uh, you know, eternal life, everlasting life is so exciting and rich is that uh, I'll never exhaust the nature of God. I'll never cease to learn more and more about him. And as you pointed out, a huge part of that process involves asking questions. It's true. All right,
0: so this is gonna, I know we've gone long, but I'm gonna end with this. Because, um, again, I I highly, as a parent, I highly recommend Providence Christian College to your students. Um, Right now, you have resurgam going on. Can you tell, and just so so everyone knows, the students at Providence Christian uh, College are not just uh, bookworms sitting there studying all the time and then having deep theological discussions all the time, although that does happen. Um, But tell us a little bit about what they're doing right now.
1: Yeah. So uh, actually, your daughter and her close friend uh, participated in an event last night. A male close
0: friend or a female close
1: friend? (laughs) Uh, The the female. The female. uh, They participated in one of our Resurgum events last night um, and and did a a wonderful job. So Resurgum is a lot of colleges, especially small Christian liberal arts colleges, have you know, a few days out of a semester dedicated to like competition, you know, a kind of like, um, I I think you would call this in high school, like a field day or something like that. Um, uh, Some, you know, a kind of Olympic sort of thing. The way we do it at Providence actually is different from uh, most of the other institutions I'm familiar with. It's, It's a kind of sort of competition or Olympics that encompasses the entire uh, uh, college. So academics, athletics, student life, all of that is involved in this competition. So the school is divided at the beginning of every academic year into four houses. uh, And those houses sort of engage and compete against one another all academic year in resurgum is the culmination. It's it's the culminating event. And we cancel classes for three days. Um, or, or, you know, I should say we cancel normal instruction for three days and engage in this kind of alternative way of instructing students. And they do art, uh, you know, uh, standard art, fine art, photography, that sort of stuff. They do dramatic presentations. They do great speeches. They do... Um, Debate. They play, uh, you know, various kinds of games, um, dodgeball. Uh, they have a field day event where there's, you know, it's kind of standard, sort of Olympic-like um, uh, activities and competition that goes on. Um, and it the the entire resurgum ends, culminates in a final debate between, you know, two of those houses that emerged right after. Uh, you know, a quarterfinal, a semifinal, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then there's the closing ceremonies where the winners are acknowledged. And there's little competitions throughout the year that are leading up to to this three day event. So last night, my wife and I uh, went to the dramatic arts competition. And so there were three groups from each of the four houses. So 12 ultimately 12 different uh, performances and they're judged by a panel of judges and they were all only about five minutes long. So it was a one hour event and they were hysterical. Your daughter and her, her female friend uh, and another student they put on, they reenacted a scene from the office um, in full dress. um, And, did a great job though they couldn't help uh but laugh throughout <laughs> so they they kind of messed uh, it up a little um but you know we had students you know do some of their own sort of work students um you know recreating uh, uh other things um it was mainly comedic we had a few a few more uh sort of standardly dramatic presentations but it's that kind of thing all day every day for for three days, um, and it, all the other institutions that I was a part of, classes were not canceled. They would do this uh, after class or before class. And one of the things that would drive professors nuts is that would uh, the students cared more about <laughs> these competitions and the, the you know beating the other the other teams during those those three days than they did about their their classes. So there'd always be interference. <laughs> So I actually really like that we cancel classes for three days. Professors get involved. Uh, my wife was a participant in one of the dramatic uh, presentations or acts awesome. last night. Um, it's a it's a it's a, a lot of fun, and it really does bring the entire yeah. campus together. Well, uh,
0: it is. Uh, I know. I I hear stories all the time. I think I got. Um, I think we got a picture from uh, <clears throat> my daughter's male friend. Uh and I <laughs> I knew it was from Resurgam but I I hadn't heard yet what it was all about. I think my wife had a text with with her about um now that's making sense the office cuz she was dressed like in a suit, I think or or yeah, okay. Yeah. Um I look forward to hearing about Resurgam when when it's done and she'll she'll give us a full report, but uh David, thank you for being on my uh a quarter 3 strands. Um this has been wonderful and um we'll have to do this again. It was uh, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I would love to Ron. I, I loved hearing, I'd like to hear, to be honest, I'd love to hear more about what you're up to. Um, and, uh, you know, your insights. I mean, I, I feel like I learned quite a bit, um, just in, in chatting with you, um, in, in education, one last thing, uh, whether this makes okay. on the show, who cares, but just, it, it, hopefully. Um, I've got a lot of friends who've left higher uh, education to enter into the K through 12 yeah. world. Um, and I am learning more about a lot more about education and formation from them than I ever learned really in my training and in my years as an academic. Um, so I'd love to do a little bit more of that with you.